last weekend, Aquila preached, and he came up at the end of that clip and announced that he would love to be in the Jelly of the Month Club. So uh, today, uh, we got a, uh, uh, a box delivered to our church here, and it had Aquila's name on it. It was about this big and about this. And, and he brought it in my office, and he said, dude, what do you think's in here? And he opened it up, and one of our favorite families here in our church had delivered to him several uh, jars of jelly. So uh, we met his, now I'm not a jelly guy, okay, just so you know that. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Valhalla Golf Club guy, just to throw that out there and, and see what God leads you to do this week. Hey, thanks for being here. It's great to have you uh, during Christmas. I know it's really busy during this season, and for you to come out and be a part of worshiping our Father. Man, that means a lot. And give it up for our online people all over. Man, we're glad to have you. Welcome them, okay? Good to have them too. And I hope God blesses you in this service. Now, I want you to check this out. I want you to think about something with me here for a minute. I want you to just kind of move this in your brain for a second. If you had some information, okay, you came aware of some information that would positively affect every person in the world, and now you knew that, who would you tell in order to get that news out for everybody to know? Who would you tell? Maybe you got information about a total cure for every form of cancer, and you got to get the news to everybody. Or maybe you came across the, the one economic strategy that would end homelessness and poverty all across America. Or maybe you know about the new offensive plan that will help Louisville win the rest of their basketball games this year. Hey, we got one under our belt, man. Come on, all right? So, so you got some news, okay? So you got some news, you're privy to some information, and now the world's got to know, who do you tell to get it into the ears of 8 billion people? Who, who do you tell that to? I mean, do you call CNN? Do you send a tweet to Elon Musk? I mean, you really want to get it done, you probably find you a 13-year-old kid with a TikTok account, right? And that get it out there. Well, that is the question that God had to answer. When Jesus was born, and now the world's got to know that he's here. And so God had to wrestle through that. Who am I going to give this news to? Who am I going to tell about the birth of Jesus so that the flow of that information starts and the whole world gets to know it? Who is he going to communicate that to? Because, I mean, we've been waiting on this kid since the Garden of Eden. And for centuries and centuries, we've been told the Messiah, the Savior, is coming. And now he's here. There he is, wrapped up in swaddling clothes, whatever in the world that is, and, and laying in a manger somewhere. And now the news has to get out there. And so who does God tell? And we're going to find out in our study today that he chose a ragtag, uneducated, smelly, minimum wage-earning group of guys who hung out with a bunch of sheep. He chose shepherds. And my question is, when you read the Christmas story, and we're going to do it here in a few minutes again, when you read that, one of the questions that come from the, the, the text is, why those guys? I mean, with news that is going to affect the rest of the world for the rest of time. 
Why did he tell it to shepherds? Why were they the ones that God chose? Well, the shepherd theme kind of fits what we've been talking about this month. And I hope it's been a great month for you, man. I have, I have thoroughly loved the studies that we've been in as we've worked our way through the Christmas stories because we're, we're kind of talking about this idea of, of extreme, of radical, of, of over-the-top Christmas. And, and we kind of played with the Griswold thing. And, you know, you can, you can watch Clark Griswold and, and his family over and over and over. But if you want an extreme Christmas, you want a Christmas that's just... That is craziness. It's right here. I mean, the original Christmas story. Man, it was not average. It was not normal. I mean, it was over the top. And so we've been diving into it this month here at Eastside, and we've been pulling parts out that were just radical, man. And so we started a couple weeks ago, and we talked about the, the extreme obedience of Joseph. So here, here's Joseph's story in a nutshell. And just kind of let this mess with you for a second. Go marry your virgin pregnant fiance, because an angel told you to. I mean, that is extreme obedience. And then last week, I think Aquila just did a masterful job at unveiling the extreme compassion of Jesus in the story. And he took us to the, to the inn or the house. He did a great job describing the nature of where that actually took place. And whoever was running that place, whether it's an innkeeper or an owner of a house, that, that he just did a great job. I mean, it was so, so good. Where he got in there and, and, he, and he, he brought to light the fact that whoever this guy was, that he didn't really see who he was dealing with. He just kind of missed it. He didn't give the attention that this baby and, and these parents and who these people, he just kind of turned his eyes to that. And, and Jesus, as he grew up, reversed that. And Jesus became a man who gave great attention and great compassion to people that we tend to turn our eyes away from. Extreme compassion. Beautiful, beautiful job last week. Next week, when we come in here, okay, for Christmas week, when we come in here at Thursday at 7 o'clock and Friday at 7 o'clock and Saturday at 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock, how'd you like that for another quick reminder? When we come in here, we're going to talk about the extreme joy that the angels talked about. And it wasn't just joy, man. It wasn't just normal joy, okay? It was extreme joy. It was great joy. And you're going to find out next week what that really means. But before we get there, before we arrive to the finality of great joy, we have to wrestle with this thing about the shepherds, that God has to get the word out that Jesus is here. And catch this. You can't whisper this. This can't be hidden on the, the bottom of the fifth page in the Bethlehem Tribune. I mean, the whole world needs to hear this loud and clear. And for some reason, God says, I want them to do it. Shepherds. And I want to make a suggestion to you. Here's why I think he chose the shepherds. And we're going to kind of talk a little bit about how their story might be your story, but I, I think the reason that he chose the shepherds is I'm going to show you in our study here that there was something inside the shepherds, something in them as people that God knew about, that if he told them the news, he knew that it wouldn't stay there. That's the key. 
The whole thing about the shepherds is that when God looked at them, he knew that the news would not stay inside, but they would make sure that it went outside of them. And that's why God said, you're the ones I got to choose. Now, you've heard the story. You've read it a million times. Many of you will read it this coming week around a Christmas tree with your family. And so one more time together, let me read it this Christmas season from Luke chapter 2. And I just want you to hear it. I don't want it on the screen. I just want you to hear the story, and we're going to dive into it a little bit. It starts like this. And there were shepherds who were living out in the fields nearby. They were keeping watch over their flocks at night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were, hey, you, you old King James Version people, what is it? They were sore terrified. And the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, because today, today, somebody say today, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger, and suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. Did you ever notice that? That one angel gave the announcement, and then a choir showed up. And they were praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor Rest. And when the angels had left them, gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, did you ever notice when you read that story that we don't know who these guys were. We don't know their names. We don't even know how many there were there. And instead of Luke spending time telling us about things that you and I would probably put in there if we were writing the story, here was the leader, man, his name was that, and, and we'd probably throw, and Luke thought all of that was irrelevant. The only thing that caught Luke's attention when he wrote the story was the excitement of these guys to share the news of the birth because what was inside them was not going to stay inside them. And Luke zeroed in on that in the story. I'm going to show you a couple places where he did it in what we just read. Let me kind of highlight them to you. Look in Luke chapter 2, verse 17. It said, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Now, we just read that, but would you look at that phrase, spread that word? That word 
is a root word referring to knowledge. And here's what it meant. I know something, and I want you to know it. That's the word. I've come aware of some information that I think you need to know about it. And I found this fascinating in my study this week as I dove into that, and I started looking at how biblical authors use this phrase right here through the rest of the New Testament. It comes up a lot of different times in the Bible. And I found out that the most of the time that they used the word, it was in the context of somebody who had just seen something remarkable that God had done. And they said, man, I gotta tell somebody. And Luke takes that word here. And he zeroes in on these guys, not on their names, not on how many there were, but he zeroed in on them that they had this news about them that they had to tell. And then the closing of the the whole story is in the 20th verse as the story ends. And look, you see the same spirit. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They went back home and they just told everybody. They couldn't keep it quiet. Now, I want you to think about that for a second, and I'd like you to apply that to your life in whatever area it tends to fit. Have you ever become aware of something? You got some news about something. You learned something. You became aware of something going on somewhere. And you just had to tell. I mean, it was just bursting out of you because you wanted to tell somebody. Has that ever happened to you anywhere? I remember the funny old story about three old preachers who were kind of buddies. They, they pastored different churches in town, but they kind of got together and they were friends, supported each other, hung in there with each other. And one day over breakfast, they were just sharing some struggles. They were having some rough parts of ministry. And one of them said, guys, there's times when the pressure of ministry just gets so hard, man, and everybody's problems just weight me down. And I just don't know if I can go anymore. I'm just worn out. And he said, guys, nobody knows this in the world. I just feel like I got to tell it, in the right-hand corner of my desk, all the way in the bottom drawer, there is a bottle, and just a little, little sip sometimes gets me through the day. And I just think I got to tell somebody. And the next guy was kind of, he goes, are you serious? He said, well, if I got to be honest with you, I got to tell you, man, it was my wife and I kind of going through some financial struggles. And last weekend, I I grabbed a couple 20s from the offering tray because we just got to have some gas help and I'll pay it back if I can. And the third guy said, I just need to tell you guys, man, my whole life I've been struggling with gossip and I can't wait to get out of here. You ever ever had anything in you that you, I mean, it's just busting out of you, okay? Just coming out of you. I got to thinking about how that applies in my life. Have I ever known of something or learned something? And I just, man, I just wanted everything in me to let the world know. And I think when that happened with me a lot, more than I ever have known in all my life, is when I became a grandparent. And I got some friends here in the front row that that's going to happen to them in a few weeks here, and they're going to find that out. And, and I heard people talk about that, but until that happened, I didn't realize what occurs at that point in your life, and you just want everybody to know. The very first time that we heard we were going to be grandparents for the first time, 
We were having dinner at our house with our son and, and our daughter-in-law, and they had this gift for me, just kind of a random gift. And so I, I'm opening it up at our dinner table, and I open it up, and it is a, it is a putter, a golf putter, but it's only about this, this long. It's about this long. It's a real putter. They cut it down and put a grip on it, and it had a little tag on it with a date, and I knew immediately what was going on. She was pregnant. It was a boy, and this is when he's going to be born. And I, was, I, I just knew it, man. And he just did something to me. Now, my wife is so sweet, man. She sees things I don't see about when people hurt. But sometimes she don't get things. And, and I had it. And she, and she said to my son, well, your dad can't putt with that. And pretty soon she saw what was going on, okay? And she lost her mind. And we were screaming and yelling. And everybody was standing up. And we were hugging. And people were crying. And well, I was crying, so everybody was just kind of having their moment. And man, I grabbed my phone because I'm gonna about blow up Facebook. And my daughter-in-law said, "Now you can't tell anybody yet." <laughs> what do you mean I can't tell anybody yet? You can't tell anybody yet. And so I put my phone down, thinking, "What kind of stupid rule is that?" So several months later, when this child was born. We were at Clark Hospital waiting on the child to come. We'd been there for like 100 hours, okay, and been there forever. I was starting to pay rent for the room, and, and uh, we are just there. And, and the doctor came in, our own beloved Dr. Berner here at church, and he came in. He goes, hey, it's getting close. It's getting close. And so he sat down and had a piece of pizza with us. I was like, dude, you got to get going, man. And so a few minutes later, our son comes in. He goes, he's here. He's here. And we're screaming and yelling. And we said, give us his name. Tell us his name. They would never tell us his name. And he said, his name is Ace. Have you ever been in a room somewhere where somebody said something and nobody knew what to do with that? <laughs> and we were like, and here's where my mind went immediately. I mean, like this, my mind went, okay, about 17 years from now, there's going to be this cute little girl in high school somewhere, and she's going to come bopping home one day after school, and she's going to tell her daddy, daddy, you got a date tonight, I got a date. And he goes, oh, my honey, that's awesome, man, that's so good. Who is it? What's his name? His name's Ace. And her daddy's going to go, oh, no. <laughs> Ain't no boy named Ace going to come date my... And so it's kind of awkward, and our son realized he kind of had to maybe explain this a little bit. And he said, uh, he said, Dad, we're golf family, man. He said, you played with your grandpa, and you played with your dad, and you played with me and my brothers our whole life, and now we got another generation coming, and we wanted to choose a golf theme, so I chose Ace for hole-in-one. And now I think, that's the greatest thing in the world. And I grab my phone, and he says, oh, no, you can't tell anybody that. So I'm just a rookie with the grandparent thing, okay? I'm a veteran now, and I've learned that posting pregnancy stuff before approval is grounds for murder. So I, at that point, you know, can't, can't say, what do you mean I can't? You can't say anything yet. Oh, man. Several months later, one of our other sons and his wife came over for dinner one night, and we didn't know at the time that they were going to announce their, their first pregnancy to us. Those things seem to have happened for our family around the dinner table. And nowadays, our kids won't accept dinner invitations from us anymore. <laughs> hey, you will come over for dinner? Nah, you know, we're, we're cleaning the house. We can't, we can't eat or anything. So we're sitting around the table, and my, my son, he tried to do it without Susan and I either seeing it. He'd snuck over, and we we're getting the table all set, and he put a pacifier on Susan's plate. And I knew. I knew. Remember how my sweet wife 
you know, if she sees things I don't see, man, do you see they're hurting? No, I didn't see that. She just has a compassionate heart. But sometimes she just don't catch things. And she's sitting there having dinner, and there's her plate, you know, mashed potatoes, green beans, chicken, all kinds. Put pacifier right in the middle. Didn't even notice. I, eating away. And then finally, she sees it. What is this? And then everybody realizes, and we all lose our mind, and yeah, hugging each other. And I, I grab my phone, and I said, no, no. No, you can't, you can't tell anybody yet. And it's just busting in me, okay? I just got to let the world know how proud I am about that. Our, our youngest child uh, shared with us his, his story too. Um, it came a little bit after our, our middle child had their child. In, in fact, when the middle child was born, after they said that, that we couldn't say anything, um, they, they told us it was a girl. And uh, my wife lost her mind because she's had boys her whole life, okay? She had three boys. Her first grandchild's a boy. And it just boy, boy, boy. I mean, she'd been dealing with, you know, boogers and gas jokes. And, you know, the idea of having something delicate was just incredible. And they said, you can't tell anybody. can't tell anybody. And so when the third son shows up and announced their pregnancy, another girl, and Susan's over the moon, and I'm putting security controls on my checkbook because I'm about to go broke now. And, and we said, you got a name yet? And they said, yeah, we got a name. What's the name? And they said, River. And my mind went back to the ace thing. It's kind of like, <laughs> oh, River? Wait, what do you mean River? And I'd probably make a couple stupid comments about it. And, uh, and then my daughter-in-law, my sweet daughter-in-law, um, her daddy died when she was real little. She hardly remembers her daddy at all. And he died unexpectedly when she was real little. And she said, she said the only real memory I have about my daddy was when he was really, real young. He'd take me down in the river, and we would get in a boat. And I always said, if I have a girl, I'm going to name her River. And then we were all crying. And I'm thinking, that's a perfect story for my sermon this week. I don't even know what I'm preaching on, but I'm going to make that puppy fit. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'll mention Noah, you know, Noah in the rain, man. And, and there were rivers created. And by the way, by the way, so, and they said, you can't say anything. What do you mean I can't say anything? And you probably have had those things in your life where you, you learned something or you saw something or you heard something and you say, man, I got to tell it. I got to tell it. It's just busting out of me. And would you hear me? Hear me. If you are a Christian, God expects that to happen with your faith. If you heard that, say amen. amen. You didn't hear it. You didn't hear it. God expects that. That might be a freedom within you to bring up God in your conversations with people. You just freely talk about God. That might be an openness and a mentioning of values and morals that the Bible teaches, that you're not afraid to say, well, this is what God thinks about it. This is what the Bible says about it. It might be a boldness to point people to Jesus. That's the only way you get to heaven, Jesus. 
That might be going up to a coworker and praying for them when they're going through a tough time in their life. It might be an excitement to brag about your church and invite people to come to you, but God expects this of you as a believer. He expects that. That your faith inside of you is not to stay inside of you. That you and I are the proponents of getting it outside of us. God has called us to be shepherds. It's uncontainable. And so you hear all that and the natural tendency is to say, well, how do I do that really? That's where the shepherds help us. I want to show you a couple things that I found out about the shepherds this week. I don't know that I've never seen this about the shepherds. I say this so many times, I know I'm like a broken record. That's why you should never tire of reading your Bible because there are fresh insights from the Holy Spirit all the time. Am I right? Yeah, all the time. And so while I'm reading through the shepherds and I get the idea of God chose them because, man, they're just going to they're just gonna blow it out there. And I start saying, well, how did they do that? And why did they do that? And why did they seem to do that maybe better than I do that? Or maybe you do that. And I saw some things about them that were like a light bulb for me. And I want to show them to you real quick. I'll throw a little couple applications to it and we'll be done here in a little bit. I'll show you these two. I want you to think about this concept right here. Proximity builds a message inside of you. Proximity builds a message inside of you. And I know right now you look at that and think, I don't even know what you're talking about yet. But watch this. When you have heard the story of the shepherds, and it was read as we read it earlier. Some of you read it next week with your families. Have you ever really paid attention or did you just kind of skimmed right on by it when it said the shepherds were out in the fields nearby? You, you've seen the verse. Let's, let's look at it again. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. If you're like me, you've read that a million times and never thought one second about it. But let me tell you what this wording here is. It, it is the word that essentially means they were in the same area. That's what it means. They were in the same space. What, are, what, were, they, what were they in the same of? What were they nearby? What were they close to? They were close to the manger. They were around the area where Jesus was born. Think of a large open area, maybe a big farm area. Some of you might have come from, grew up on big farms and all this land. And that's what the wording actually there is referring to. And then on one side of that large farm area, there is this inn, or as Aquila did a great job telling it, it might have been a home, might have been a relative's house, but there's this place where the birth has occurred. And then on the other side of the field, we don't know how big it was, let's say a mile long, on the other side of all that acreage, there are these shepherds in the middle of the night watching their flock. They're in the same area nearby. That's fascinating. 
They weren't in another town. They weren't in another state. They weren't 300 miles away. They were in the same area. They were nearby. And then Luke makes the point of suggesting that nearby was not good enough for them, that they had to see him. And Luke says two times purposely, uses the word oraato, which refers to the eyesight, that on two occasions Luke said, I want you to know that they went to see him. They walked across the field to see him. Now we read it in the story, but now let's look at it again. You'll look at it differently now. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this. And then a few verses later, after they'd been there, it said, when they had seen him. And what Luke is doing, this is absolutely fascinating. Don't lose me here. Luke is suggesting there's a big difference in being nearby Jesus and seeing Jesus. When they were nearby, they didn't have a message to say. There wasn't anything to say. Their message that came out of them, their news that they wanted everybody to know about, only happened after they saw him. Now, I know it's Christmas time. We're supposed to be happy, and sermons are supposed to be feel good. I I get all that, but let me get a tad confrontational and challenging for just a minute. Let Let me give you a little tiny throat punch here just for a second. Sometimes Christian people, is anybody listening right now? Okay, so I've got about nine people with me, so hang here, watch this. Sometimes Christian people struggle to spread anything about their faith because they're only out in the fields nearby him. They haven't really seen him yet. They've chosen to keep a distance rather than to be close. Because nearby faith knows about Jesus but it doesn't know Jesus. And nearby faith has heard about God's standards, but it really doesn't believe God's standards. And nearby faith understands there's a heaven where everybody's invited, but they still think everybody goes there. And nearby faith might be a part of a church, but they're not committed to the responsibility that comes with being a member of the family. See, nearby faith is silent because it doesn't have a message yet. The only time you build a message is when you see him. And the reality is that whenever we talk about a topic like we're talking about right now within the family of God, that your faith, what you have in here, 
in your walk with Jesus that the expectation of God is that you get it out and put it into the eyes of other people. The reality is there's a lot of people in the church who hear that and go, man, that's not me, that's for other people. I don't even know how to do that, don't even wanna do that. And the reason for that is because the epitome of where you're at on your best day is just being nearby him. Nearby faith will never communicate anything because it hasn't seen anything yet. But when you're all in, when you see him, a message begins to build that is uncontainable. The shepherds never opened their mouth to anybody until they saw him. Now watch this. On top of that, look at this. Promptings tell you when and where to spread your message. So assuming that you have the faith that has seen him, the message will begin to build within you and there will be promptings that come to you to tell you when and where to communicate the message. Now watch this. Did you ever notice? Did you ever see this? I never, I never saw it. Maybe you're way beyond me on the story. But did you ever notice that the angel never commanded the shepherds to go see the baby? I thought they did. They never did. They just hinted at it. They said, now, over on the other side of the field is a baby just got born. And that baby's who've been waiting on forever and ever and ever. That baby is the savior of the world. And if you happen to go over there, you're going to find the baby wrapped in claws, lying in a cattle feeding trough. All the angel did was hint. And the angels took the hint. They took the prompting. And on their own, they went to see him. Now, I find it interesting when you think about that. If we fast forwarded or went backwards a couple of weeks when we were at the early part of the story and we were with the angel talking to Mary. And if you're here a couple of weeks ago, we, we dealt with that, the very first part of the whole story. And then you know, if you were here, that once Mary heard from the angel that she's going to get pregnant, the angel also said, hey, you got a relative who's already pregnant by the name of Elizabeth. And you know, once the angel took off, Mary hightailed it to go see Elizabeth. And that was all part of God's plan because Elizabeth is going to give birth to John the Baptist, who's going to be the front runner of Jesus. And so those ladies had to get together. But the angel never commanded Mary to go see Elizabeth. The angel just hinted. The angel just gave a prompting. See, when you have seen Jesus, now, now hear me, hear me. If you're just in nearby faith, if you're just hanging around faith, if you're just hearing about Jesus, but you've never seen him, this stuff never happens to you, and you think right now, I've lost my rocker. But if you've seen him, you know what I'm talking about. If you've seen him, this message is within you, and there will be hints and promptings given to you. I'm telling you it's true. Go say something to him. 
Go talk to those people. Send that guy a text. Give a call to that girlfriend and ask her how she's doing. Those promptings will come by the Holy Spirit who is wanting you to take the message that is built up within you and get it out. Never happens to nearby people. Always happens to people who've seen him. I went to our brother Aquila last, uh, or a couple days ago, and I hope you heard his message and last week, and I asked him, I said, man, you, you mentioned something in your sermon that I want to, um, I'd like to expound on. You just touched it. And he said, don't say something wrong. I said, no, you didn't say anything wrong at all. You said something that I think, I think we got to see the whole picture, man. And uh, he said, yeah, you can tell that. And so... Um, a couple weeks ago, we had Pathway here in a church. It's a big deal in our church. And Aquila and I teach a part of Pathway together. We've done that for a long, long time. It's called First Point. And so when people start coming to our church, they go to First Point. And so uh, we teach that together. I teach a part of it, and Aquila teaches a part of it. And we've done it so many times together, we can teach each other's material. And so we'd had the class a couple weeks ago, and I'd done my part, and we'd taken a little bit of break, and we came back, and Aquila was doing his part. And I'm sitting in the back of the room, and I don't know, there's 40, 50 people, and Aquila's teaching these folks, and I'm sitting there watching him, listening to him, and I, I know everything he's saying because I've heard it a million times like he does me. And he stops right in the middle of what he's talking about. He just stops. And he walks over to this poor lady in the front row. He walked right over to her and got about two feet from her. And he said, ma'am, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I feel very strongly that I am supposed to tell you that Jesus loves you deeply. And then he walked back, and he started teaching his lesson. And I'm sitting back watching the whole thing, and I'm thinking, what in the world was that about? You never know what a worship pastor is going to say or do. And I'm thinking, what in the world was that about? And so afterwards, I was asking him about it. And a couple days earlier, he'd been talking to one of his friends, and his, his friend said, hey, man, I got this uh, a coworker at, at where I work at, and... Um, and she's just kind of trying to find herself with God and kind of working through all that stuff and just has some questions. And, and, and Aquila's friend said, would you, would you pray for her, man? And Aquila said, yeah, man, I'll pray for her. I'll pray for her. He didn't know who she was, what her name was, anything at all. And he just spent a couple of days just praying that God do, do a work in your life. And so when Pathway was over with that night, he'd said that to that lady and he'd went home and his friend from a couple of days called him and said, hey, I heard you said something to a lady in Pathway night, he goes, yeah, man, I did. And she said, that was my friend. What in the world happened? Somebody who had seen Jesus had a message well up within him, and the Spirit of God prompted that your message needs to go there right now. You watch it, it'll happen. If you're nearby and you're playing games and you're keeping distance, you'll never know what I'm talking about. But if you've seen him, there are many of you in this room right now who have goosebumps on your arms because now all of a sudden you know why a particular person can't get out of your mind. Somebody say, whoa. Ha, ha, ha.
Early this year, a gentleman showed up at our church from out of town, way out of town, stopped by at our church on the way through, met us, and gave us a very generous donation for our staff. People like that go straight to heaven. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> He'd come across our services online, and uh, it had been a great help to him in knowing us from nobody. And he became part of our online community, and God really ministered to him. And so when he's come through town, he stopped and met us and said, I'd like to bless your team. And so we had a party. Um, we had some burgers on the grill and got a bouncy house for the kids and gave away some prizes. And we, we just had a fun party last summer. But we had some money left over, and we need to decide what to do with it. And we're sitting around thinking, what can we do for us? And somebody in our staff meeting said, you know what, I'm just kind of feeling that maybe we ought to maybe give it away to somebody. And that's what happens to people who've seen him. Now, us nearby people were thinking, what are we going to get, okay? But when you've seen him, promptings happen. And somebody else said in the group, hey, I got an idea. Uh, this coming Christmas, wherever we go eat with our staff, let's just give it to our server. And everybody said, man, that's a great idea. And so we put it off to the side, and we kind of held on to that money until last night. Our staff got together for our annual Christmas party together, and our elders, through their generosity, treated us to a wonderful meal. And, and, um, and your generosity of... Your generosity of gift cards was beyond anything I think any of us have ever experienced. And when they had this, we had this money in this card to give to our server that nobody knew about except our team. And we know who our server is going to be. On the way driving, I, I told Susan, you know, I hope our server's not a jerk because this is going to be hard <laughs> to give money to a jerk. <laughs> And our servers were two young girls who were as sweet as they could be, and they were both studying to be nurses, and they were working part-time at this place to kind of support their education. And toward the end of the night, we called them up to the front of our group. And uh, you know, that don't happen if you're a, a server somewhere that you called them for the, and we called them up, and, and they were standing there, and we thanked them, and we said, you know, we just took care of the ticket and everything. And and on that is, is a tip of $100 for each one of you. And they were like, oh, wow. And we said, but, you know, we're, we're from a church. And we want you to know how much God loves you. And, and we want to give you an extra $500 here. And I would pay $500 this minute to have a picture of their faces at that moment. When people see Jesus, instead of just settling for being nearby, promptings start to happen. And you follow that prompting one time, and you will never stop.
So here's my Christmas prayer. I pray that all of us can become shepherds. Father, thank you so much for the people who one day long ago told me what they had seen. And thank you that I get to do the same. And I pray that you will use our church to get out what is inside of us. And I pray for those who are nearby to understand what they're missing. In the name of Jesus, I pray.